Thank you guys for tuning in to the uh, uh, to the Scottcore show. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Let's roll it. You are listening to Yes, Maybe, No with Andrew Streeter. It's live! And Yeti Blanc. Plastic Soul, man. Plastic Soul. Is this show the best? Yes, Maybe, Maybe no. no! Welcome back to another episode of Yes, Maybe, No. I'm Yeti Blanc. I am Andrew Streeter. Are you? Are you really? I mean, me. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for coming out to our live show today. And thanks for bearing with me. I was just late getting the kids ready for bed. And I, I wanted to shower so I could jump straight into bed after this. And so here we are. Andrew, will, you help, um, will you help monitor when people want to speak and, and letting uh, giving them speaking privileges? Sure. I would love to do that. I'll let you know if anyone wants to do that. Cool. Because multitasking is terrible for me. That. That's a shock. And if, at any rate. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I couldn't flop around naked and run a show at the same time. I'm sorry. I, I, I like to be clothed. You'll, you'll be proud of me because I made some notes, actually, for this. Me too. Me too. I'm actually... I mean, we've had not... several weeks to try that we've been talking about doing this. So I'm glad we have notes because it could have been questionable whether or not we would have. Um, hey, did the, heat, did the heat game just end? How did that the heat uh, I, Celtics? Like I said, up? I was flopping around naked, frantically trying to get my clothes on so I could start flopping. This thing, so. Look, when you're my size, you, you don't move around very gracefully, so it's just nothing but flopping and terrible imagery for everyone. Thanks for tuning right. in, everybody. Um, naked flopping. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so yeah, today we are uh, we're going to cover the big game, uh, the the Levitard Show um, musical composition album um, called the Big Game. We're going to be covering that, giving a, a track by track rundown, review some of our thoughts, um, some insights that we've had about the whole thing. I know that this has been covered by several other people, but it's our turn. Damn it, um, we're the Sui nominees here, um, and one, one two time winner. Um, so we 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 get our say too. Uh, but first. It's time for another round of Who Needs to Go to Hell? On Yes, Maybe No. That's right, it's Who Needs to Go to Hell. Still not quite brought to us by Hellman's Mayonnaise, but hopefully one day soon. Um, If any of you have any contacts with Hellman's, please let us know. Um, So, Andrew, Who Needs to Go to Hell this week is Drugs. Um, a lot of times we like to have fun with, with, uh, with this and pick something like first world problems or something silly. But this week I'm, I'm a little angry. I'm upset. I've been a little sad by recent events. And so drugs need to go to hell this week. And this isn't knocking people who do drugs. This isn't people knocking or knocking people who have addictions. This is knocking the drugs that, that, that create such addictions. They piss me off. Um, we've lost people in our personal lives. Uh, you, you and me both. Um, you closer, closer people in your life than I have. Um, 
and uh, and then you know it it makes us lose some of the people that we that we enjoy that that provide us inspiration through their talents in entertainment in in the entertainment industry most notably Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters we'll more on that in in a minute um, but yeah so just I just really hate the fact that they have such a stronghold on people um, and 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 it just really upsets me I, I don't really know much of what else to say you have any thoughts. <sighs> well, you know, it's interesting as it, um, <coughs> I, I'd almost forgotten that we were going to be touching on this. Uh, and that right at the top, I like lit into you for playing like music from my band's old thing. And then I was like, Hey, do you know when those guys died? Mm-hmm. But they did. He did. My best friend in the world died with a heroin overdose. He'd been clean for a long time. Not unlike one Taylor Hawkins, um, and of course, you know, the toxicology, they said there's a number of different substances right. um, in his bloodstream. A lot of those are probably prescribed, and you know what? A lot of people have troubles with prescription medic- medications. Um, in fact, I'd say more addiction happens with prescription medication than it does otherwise. But um, maybe that's, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not a professional. All I will say is that it's not any less sad when somebody dies uh, and it's because they succumb to addiction. I think that's like the, the saddest take that I've seen for some people uh, when it comes to Taylor Hawkins or when anybody dies of drugs and people are just like, oh, well, it's drugs. So they had it come in kind of a little more blase. Of yeah, course, I'm not yeah. trying to erect. I'm not trying to erect a straw man there. I have seen that. Well, yeah, we saw <laughs> Jose Fernandez died. That's that's the first one that comes to my mind just because we listen to Levitard so much. You know, people were like, Correct. oh, he had cocaine in his system, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, screw you, you know? A dude it's died. It's still sad. It, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's still so, sad. We still need some reverence for this life that uh, was lost. And we, if everybody's got their stuff, man. And everyone has their, their demons that they have to face. And, uh, that's super crappy. Uh, what happened uh, on a number of fronts? I was just—I just finished reading Dave Grohl's book that came out uh, last year, late last year. Um, and he talks about how Taylor is like his best friend in the world, and you know he almost lost him to a heroin overdose in 2001 when he was only in bed for a couple of years, and Hawkins was in a coma for like a week or almost two weeks that dude has just has tragedy following him everywhere uh, as it would seem but um you know as a fan obviously i'm sad he's a completely enigmatic unbelievable performer uh has always been uh their secret sauce you know band is only as good as their drummer right and uh, or at least that's what conventional wisdom would say. I would agree, at least a live band. And uh, they're just unbelievable. And uh, they still are unbelievable. It's just now they are down a very big, huge hole. And uh, they canceled their all their tour dates that they have. Um, that they had both coming into the rest of the year, which were a lot. It was no small number. They had a big North American tour coming out of their South American one that they just had, and they were going to go to Australia and over in Europe. Uh, it's, yeah, it is not uh, very, it's a huge bummer. And I uh, am very sad. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, uh, Steve Arduini, our friend Steve, he messaged me Friday night. He that that's how I found out. Um, and uh, and it's like we both uh, we he texted me the next morning and he's like, he's like, I just woke up and it's still true and I hate it, you know. And, and I was like, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I couldn't go to sleep till about five that morning. I mean, I stayed up late, but I laid down for at least two to three hours without being able to go to sleep, um, just because I was just so disturbed and sad and hurt and. Yeah, I don't know Taylor personally, and I'm very um, selective over the um, people in the public spotlight that I'll, uh, like musicians and such, that I will lend my emotions to. Um, I remember not getting it when, you know, I was I was much more young and immature, but like when Steve Jobs died, I remember people talking about how sad they were, and I was like, I didn't get it. I'm not an Apple guy. I just didn't care. He did, you know, because I don't lend to most people because I don't know them, but but there are a few that do. Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne, you know, it'll be uh, Friday. It'll be two years since he passed um, from COVID. That one hurt really bad because their music shaped so much of the beginning of my songwriting. Um, Cause I was just getting into Fountains of Wayne right as I was starting to write songs. Um, and, and then this, you know, anyone who's listened to us for a while knows of our love of the Foo Fighters. And we, we did a whole two-part episode, a couple of hours dedicated to breaking them down. And a big part of that, I remember we talked about um, uh, one by one. Um, I, I, I kicked into that about how much the drums on that on that album just do so much for me. And, and, and that's, you know, Dave gives that to Taylor. I, I remember thinking uh, when I first heard about Taylor passing... One of the thing that one of the first and saddest thoughts that hit me was uh, when Dave was talking about um, doing the uh, drum battle with Nandy Bushnell or Bushnell. I'm not sure how, how you pronounce it, but he was like, you know, she challenged me to play Everlong. And I was like, I haven't played Everlong since I recorded that song because that's Taylor's job. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this hurts. That just like is, I, that was the first thing that I remembered. Um was that that's Taylor's job and that's going to be a difficult job to fill. And I think they'll continue. I think he'll find someone eventually, um, in some manner or fashion, but it just, it just sucks. And, you know, so Taylor, I, I'm, I'm going to miss him and his spot in, in Foo Fighters. Um, but ultimately what that really comes down to is that just like, if, if you need help, if you have addictions yourself, I hope you can find it. I hope you can find the help to make sure that, you, you, you yourself don't get hurt and the people around you don't get hurt and that, that you can find a way to find peace without that thing that poisons you. And that's all, that's really all I'm going to say. Drugs are bad and cool. Um, but anyway. This has been another round of Who Needs to Go to Hell? On Yes, Maybe No. And shouts out to Craig though. Um, that baseline on Phase One is incredible. That's that's one of the reasons I, I picked it for uh, our intro, some of our uh, pregame music. Um, just thinking, thinking about you, thinking about him after the events of last week. I appreciate that. And you know what's interesting about that is that he like had come up with that on his own. That's like the only like real piece of music that like he brought to us. Like he wrote all his baselines, but like that's that's a piece of uh, music that he brought to practice and was like, hey, I've been messing around with this. Make this something. Huh. And uh, I was like, yeah, sh- sure, whatever. But I did. And uh, it was like, yeah, I want to make that song for a long time. And Wilhelm, the, our drummer, actually wrote the lyrics. He was, he was so bad when, when I first met you guys. I know y'all were first starting out, but he, I mean, like, 
he just didn't seem to have much natural ability. But like w- within two years later, he was just really, really good. Just I mean, you all were. It just it blew my mind. Wow, it's, it's called practice. Yeah, he, that's true. He, he loved that more than anything else in the world. And he instead of really getting he played bass guitar to all of his favorite skate punk records. So uh, if anyone that is is just tuning in, you are you are hearing. Um, how bad Andrew is at putting his kids to bed. Dude, that's, uh, I, you know what? That's totally fair. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I, 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 am speaking from a place of privilege. The two year, this one's a two year old and he's just a total monster. And, uh, we're waiting for mommy to get home. She's got off work. Once she's here, I can migrate to a different room. But in the meantime, you're going to get Coco's melon or whatever the hell it's it's all good it's all good hugo have at it buddy um yeah no i'm speaking from a total place of privilege because my kids are old enough to where they you know they kind of don't want me bugging them so they'll be quiet um and uh but then look i have an eight i have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old and they're like pretty they're a lot easier to get to bed and be quiet than this is Hurricane Hugo dude he is he's by far our most destructive uh, child, he, like, even for his age, even for being a toddler, he's by far the most destructive one. <laughs> it'll, you know, you've seen it pass with the other kids. It'll pass with him. It'll get better. Um, sure. But anyway, let's. Sh- shall we dive into the big game? Yeah, let's transition. Obviously, awkwardly from the death of uh, a, a tremendous musician and start talking about some some real uh, music. Look, some chart, In, uh, some chart toppers, some choppers, um, choppers. How about that? How about that? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, let, let's jump into this. You know, the, the, uh, the big game was the, the musical album produced by, or put out by the, uh, Levitard and friends network, um, written by Mike Ryan and JT Daly. And, um, I mean, you know, this is no, probably no news to anybody who's been here, but you know, it's seen some really good success, especially for something that was put out by a sports podcast by people who are predominantly not musicians and uh, put together in a really, really, really short time frame. I, I know the, the date they keep throwing around um, is is you know twenty eight days from start to finish. But Mike said um, he he appeared on the Fan Levitard show and I jumped in on that for a little bit. And he uh, he did and he yeah and uh, he said um, he said wow, he's really from, from the time they put everything together it was more like fifteen days from the time they they started actually working on the songs like they got jt there and and started actually churning out the songs it was more like 15 days from from start to finish so concept to finish was 28 but like really putting the the pen to paper i mean you you, i mean you've heard jt and when he was on levitard he talked about they they didn't even have chris's song finished the day before chris was supposed to record it so this was just this was a really cool experiment i loved the idea that um like i just pictured and I've done this with Paul McCartney a couple of times. I've been reading or about his life or listening to other people kind of talk about his life on different podcasts and stuff in certain phases that he'd go through create creatively. And I would imagine like, I just kind of imagined his hair on fire. Um, like with just like this yeah. abstract image of him just creating and his hair being on fire. And that's what's driving. Like, like he can't stop creating, you know, because his hair's on fire. And I, I actually envisioned Mike in a similar fashion. It was this weird daydream that I had. But, like, I just felt like someone put the idea in his head and it just it's just ignited this thing and he could not put it down. I don't know if that's really how it was, but that's how it felt. Um, and uh, so, like, 
I, 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 I related this. Well, I, when I jumped in on that fan Levitard thing, I told him, I said, Mike, I said, Andrew and I, two years ago, when we started putting out show songs, um, almost exactly two years ago now, um, we really, we both initially said like, we hope this brings out an increased like quality of product and what people do with show songs. And I said, but damn it, I don't think that we meant for it to be this good. You know, <laughs> we, we, we didn't intend for them to get a ringer in there and get a, get an actual you know, Grammy nominated producer, but here we are, here we are. I mean, I guess that's what you get when you open the door. Hey man, I'm still, I'm still waiting for, uh, for hmm, someone better than, uh, for <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now that we've now that we've now that we've handicapped, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, as it stands, you're the only Suey Award winner for best musical performance for you know out of the last two years, you know, out of the last three three years because you know Suey's hadn't happened yet. So see, you are still the reigning Suey champion. So I guess you're free to say that. No, I'm being a total turd. No, okay. So I was up. I was in Austin uh, first day for what is the Monday show for that. Um, you know, so I was there on Sunday and I was talking to pretty much everyone there. And, uh, Mike, when he talked to me, he was like, so, uh, I told, well, he first, he DM'd me like a while before that I was like JT. when I congratulated him about, you know, the show. Cause I knew how, about the big game. Cause I knew how much work it had to have been. And he said, thank you so much. He said, um, I remember one day writing into, uh, writing out on the causeway. And uh, JT turned to me and said, is Andrew Streeter going to kick my ass? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, that's just funny to me for a number of reasons. But also, like, I never, like, would have imagined, like, what I do, I do not, like, put anywhere close to the amount of time, effort, and energy into what had to have happened uh, to make this thing happen. So I, I absolutely have to give that up to them. But also... Mike then told me in Austin, he's like, so I, <clears throat> we're just like sitting and waiting for, you know, to see what you do to, to counter this, to make us all feel ashamed. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not sure yeah, I've been kind of quiet try. this year and I've been afraid to say that I've been, I've been, I've been afraid to bring that up because, you know, I've, I've had suey hopes of my own and I've been trying to keep you quiet and not make you mad or, uh, you know, not give you any fuel. Listen, I'm not complacent. Um, I don't, but I don't dance if, uh, if there's no music. So like, uh, <laughs> I need something to inspire me. I kind of came like, you know, firing out, uh, you know, like, a, you know, um, I don't know. I don't have the analogies, but look, the, the point is, early on in the pandemic, uh, that's like I didn't have anything else to do, and I wanted to help them make content, and so we got you know song after song after song. But now I have to like kind of cherry pick, you know, what is a good topic and what is a good muse, right? And I do have some irons in the fire still, so you know, whatever. But it's enough about me. I don't want to talk. No, about dude, me I'm telling you what. Crap. Who Mike should really be afraid of is me. Because he talks to that? you about being afraid of what you're going to hit him with. And he, JT talks about he, you wanting to kick his ass. They don't give a sh crap about me. So I'm pissed. I'm writing. Look, I'm recording. I'm the one with the chip look, on my man, shoulder. Um, but uh, Chris, Chris Cody said it on uh, your show that you have. The real show that you do. That's not this one anymore. Um, he was like, Streeter may have... The Sueys, but <laughs> but you have the we gave 
We gave Yeti a job. <laughs> yeah, so. no, Greg said, yeah, but Yeti gets paid. And I was like, shush, I don't want to yeah. piss him who's off. The, I'm trying to get somewhere. Who's, <laughs> who's the actual winner here, right? <laughs> so, like, that's a pretty fair trade. Anyway. Yeah, I'll take it. This, you know, the, the, the Greg Cody thing keeps my, um, uh, you know, that, that it, it allows me to be able to pay for my hobby. And that's what my wife said I have to do. Find a way for your hobby to pay for itself because... You can't support it out of our, 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 you know, food money. And, uh, she was right. So, um, but, but yeah, so diving into the big game, um, do you have any preliminary thoughts or anything you want to jump into before we get into track by track? Nope. Okay. So I, yeah, I sh- I've shared most of my general feelings on the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody. Check that out. It was about three or four episodes ago. The episode right before, uh, the week before JT was on, which I sadly couldn't join, um, well, sad in one way. I'm sad that I couldn't join because I would love to have talked to him. It's probably better for the show that I didn't because I'd still be talking to him. Um, and he'd be in that that Hawaiian you know, uh, place that Dan zones out to and Lorenzo starts talking to him. And uh, and he would have probably filed a restraining order on me, etc. But, uh, but in general, I loved this whole thing. Um, I loved that they were honest with it from the beginning. They, they weren't trying to be something they weren't. They openly said, we are not musicians. I loved the tongue-in-cheek play that they had when they released the first two tracks on um, the worldofsui.com uh, saying, you know, the, the whole thing will be here soon. We're still applying more multiple layers of, of auto-tune. Like, you know, they weren't trying to hide the fact and say, we actually are real singers here, you know. Like, they're, they're, we're having to touch things up. They're, they're having to do some heavy production. But what I love is the creative uh, fire that went into this the um the sheer um just like the what they put out in such a constrained amount of time and i love that like all the songs are really catchy and and they 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 transcend genres like they they jump from genre to genre to genre and jt didn't like pull any punches on what he could have added in they weren't just songs with just guitar and a midi drum track like he put in multiple, multiple layers, which I really appreciate. Like on the final song, he said he, I think he had around 200 tracks on the reprise. Um, he had about 200 little, even if it was just like little sound effects, which I appreciate. And you should, you, you would know I appreciate considering that Pirate Radio Anthem for a two minute song, you know, had like, you know, 63 tracks or something stupid like that, um, that I sent you and, and, and made you hate me over. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, like, I like that he did that. The saxophone on that, that's all JT actually playing the saxophone. Mike said that was his first instrument. Um, and, uh, and cause I was, I was sitting there figuring I, I was like, well, I want to know what saxophone plugins he's has, what virtual sax he's using, because you can't find good virtual plugins for saxophone. So I want to know what he's using and, you know, no, I be able to save the thousands of dollars that it'll take. And, and, and Mike said, no, that was his actual saxophone. That was his first instrument. So he just was wailing. No, he's, on the he's all natural, all natural, safe sacks. You know? So he practiced safe sacks. So I, I just appreciate the full range that they put into it, the effort that they poured into it. And then, um, and yeah, but there are a lot of things about the songs, about each individual track that I really enjoyed. And that's what we're going to hit on in a minute. As we jump into that, to transition, when, uh, I don't know if you caught this or not, but when uh, Dave Grohl said, when um, uh, In Your Honor came out, you know, it was the double album. The first album was really hard and heavy according to Dave's definition. And the second, the second part of the album was the, uh, the acoustic stuff. Um, well, Dave, uh, 
He said about the first, disc one, he was like, I want people to listen to this and be like, hey, I like early Metallica too. Like they want, he wanted them to be able to hear his metal influences, like his metal childhood in that album. And so that, I mean, that's, I appreciate that because that's the way I listen to music. I love hearing the musical DNA, uh, regardless of who the artist is. I love being able to listen to it because um, I look for it in my own music when I write. I'm like, you know, well, who am I drawing from here? What what music am I drawing from here? So I, I like to be able to tell who their musical parents are uh, or the musical parents for a song it, you know, are. Um, some, and sometimes my thoughts end up being right in line with the artist, and sometimes different listeners, uh, like, like you can hear something different that I have. And, and it all, all, uh, also hits me at different times. It's one of my favorite things about immersing myself in music. Um, I've loved how Noel Gallagher is always good at lifting from his influences. And, you know, some, that's got him sued a couple of times, you know, uh, the, um, uh, shaker maker, which is the, I'd like to teach the world to sing and, uh, the Stevie wonder song. Oh, uh, step out. You know, he ripped off a Stevie wonders, you know, uptight, everything is up. And they end up having to retroactively give Stevie credit for it. But all, all in all, he loves to, you oh, know, well, Speaking to that specifically, um, I am so ready to uh, tell you every song that these guys ripped off for this album. <laughs> I, those, are the, those are my only notes. It's it's going to be well. Notes. It's 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 going to be the musical DNA, and uh, and so that that's okay, really we what we don't have to be kind. We don't have to be kind about it. You're <laughs> I, trying to like lay out this like soliloquy preamble about musical DNA caca nonsense. I'm just saying. Yeah, they ripped some stuff off, and that's fine. You got to cut corners when you're when you're doing work as fast as they did. Oh gosh, Andrew shots fired saying they cut corners. <laughs> <laughs> um, is is this because you're mad because I hit you with the stop the shave with your uh, uh, your stop the shave song that you were working on when I told you it was the there she goes? Are you just mad about that? I'm not just mad about that. I'm <laughs> not mad. I'm just kidding. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> So now you're lashing We're out, good. finding every note that someone has stolen. And uh, don't listen to my catalog because it is all Noel Gallagher ripoffs. No, my brand of humor is, is deep because in, just in all seriousness, um, what you said is true. People steal stuff in art and especially in music all the time. There's only eight notes. There's only eight notes. And there's only so many like sequences you can do with the eight notes. And there's only so many chord progressions that you can do. So like, yeah, everybody rips each other off. And so like part of me, part of my humor is, is acknowledging that, that yeah, I do that too. And so does, you know, a lot of people. So do a lot of people. And so let's go ahead and jump in. Um, yeah. So for, first off, <laughs> it's hard to not compare any concept or concept album or rock opera to, to Pink Floyd. And so you're, you'll probably hear me dive into that a decent amount through that whole thing. But uh, get us started. Uh, Andrew, what, what are your takes on the intro with John Skipper? Or did you not take notes on um, that? I didn't take nothing like because there's not really music, and to be frank, yeah, I love Skip, but the uh, you know, he could have brought the energy a... higher on that. I, I will say. Oh my gosh, I sounded like I was at some sort of like community college conference or something. Like, <laughs> come on, he 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 had that kind of energy. Uh, you know what? I guess okay. I'm from Davidson County, North Carolina, where John Skipper is from. So every time I hear his voice, I hear like all of like my administrators. So like <laughs> in, in high school. So yeah. maybe that's where I'm drawn on. I feel like I'm in the principal's office when he's talking. And it's just, okay, whatever. I know, like, we had, did we have to put Skip on this? Did, did he, like, ask to be put in it? That, that I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that. But I will tell you, so something that, uh, um, uh, it kind of reminded me, not not Skipper's part, but the music 
like leading up into Dan's song reminded me of the opening track on um, the Polyphonic Spree's Fragile Army. Just the whole like, like, like a people gathering together, like a big orchestra gathering together to really get things started. But, but what the way his voice is produced, it almost reminded me of Mal Evans counting in the background during the cli- the orchestral climax of a day in the life. You know, he's counting the. I was gonna say, yeah, the you know, seven. Eight, you know, you just hear him in the background echoing. It kind of reminded me of that, and that's so that, that's really the only like connection point I could I could find with it from from another song. But it you know gave me those feelings. Um, all right, no, no, nothing stops football. I saw mommy kissing Santa <laughs> yeah. Claus. That's all I can hear. It's just in the background. It's something that fits. The the, the notes really aren't there, but it's one of those things that fits. That was one of the first no, things I heard about it, and I and I send it to you and Jeremy. Oh, um, Dan has like an actual vocal line that sounds just the same mel- the, the same melody. Um, I don't know. I'm all away from here. <laughs> Underneath the mistletoe last night. All right, but what- one of my curses is hearing songs in other songs. I do this all the time in pop music, and it drives my wife freaking nuts. So that's what I did with the figure. Well, yeah, I've driven you nuts with it too. You, you, you've, you. Know, I curse oh. you with it too all the time. Oh yeah, um, we curse each other. Often. We, we, we do, we do. Uh, but like, so what I heard on "Nothing Stops Football" it reminded me of "Soft Bulletin" era Flaming Lips. Um, ah. like it really has a lot of that, that, you know, that, that drama to it and ethereal sounds. One thing I will say about that. One thing I will say about that is that I really, um, Dan's really going for it. Yeah. Dan is really, really going for it. And I, uh, I really appreciated that. Honestly, I know they had, uh, they had attitude the bejesus out of everybody, but he, you know, he has a actual, like, you know, passion going on behind what he's doing. Yeah, J- JT, JT said on the Greg Cody show, he said that he had to uh, he had to add the most production to Dan's voice, but it has to do with with his vibrato and and the gravel, it, you know, to to be able to bring it on pitch. He had to do a lot, but that's been one of the most common threads I've seen on Twitter is everyone being so impressed with the emotion Dan brought to that, and like I felt stuff. I I called Jeremy the next morning after it was released. I called him before I called you just because like my brain was stirring. And it was still kind of early. And I was like, I just, I just picked the phone. I'm like, Jeremy. And he's like, dude, I know. Like we didn't have to say any other words. He just, <laughs> we just kind of knew. And, uh, it just, it, it, that, that stayed in my head that entire weekend and like fueled me. Like I had a hard time sleeping, like, but it was good. Like, because I was so full of energy from all of it. And I, 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 I told Greg and Chris this, that like, if you told me he had every bit of all the emotion from the send her back chance to, you know, uh, the, the Chris getting laid off all the way through if that's where he unloaded it if if uh what we him crying at the beginning of freedom was just the tip of the iceberg and you told me that this was him unloading everything i'd believe it i'm not saying that that's what it was but i'm just saying it was that convincing he poured that much emotion into it um yeah. do you have anything else anything else to say about this one no let's go to all in i know i know exactly what you're going to say on this one all right look this is the okay this is the best like to me like it's the most like catchy song i know that's debatable i i think it's it's why they released it first um but it's it's eye of the tiger yeah those first Thank couple of notes are and, and it's but and they're purposefully going for that feel on the street yeah yeah it's just those first few notes the yeah the yeah i laugh every single time everything yeah 
Yeah, that's so good. It's my favorite part of the song. I also love the side note that like they couldn't get Stu to do the second spoken word part in the <laughs> second verse. <laughs> He's just like, no, nah, I'm good. This is it was either I'm. It was either I'm not doing that, or it was uh, he was so bad at it that they had to get someone else. To do it. <laughs> yeah, it um uh yeah that's classic stew though um the uh yeah so you know they were definitely going for you know that 80s training montage feel and and there are some similar notes to eye of the tiger some of it reminds me of maniac but the pre-chorus there's some chords that he hit and the 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 polish you put on them are straight out of duran duran's rio and i love it um oh for sure and uh and so but but what i miss here that the 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 um the words that I miss here all the time. And I think about every time I go to the bathroom is, is and here's oh what I gosh. miss here. It's I go, whenever you relieve yourself, lift out a battle cry. And it's like, whenever I go to the oh. bathroom, I think about letting out a battle cry. Um, just because You're of that in. misheard lyric. Um, a mean, a means part of it. Okay. Yes. It made me really wish that he was in more of the musical. Cause he nailed that such a good vocal character. It made the whole thing. Yeah. Like I, I would, I would love to hear him do, you know, some sort of, you know, you know, voice acting like on a cartoon or audio drama, you know, like he'd be good at it. He's so animated. Why you wanna <laughs> and yeah, so that, that really, that really blew my mind. I didn't know that that was Billy singing at first. And I told you that that was one of the things that worried me a little bit. Once Chris told me oh. who was singing, like, I can't not hear Billy now. That's all I hear now. But at first I didn't know. And, uh, but I know I'm not the only one. I have seen some more chatter about that. I immediately knew because the Billy's singing voice is embedded into my soul. From Dan's favorite colors. Dan's favorite <laughs> colors. Yes. Yeah. JT said he was actually trying to draw that from him uh, a little bit when he was getting Billy's stuff ready. So it's cool that they were able to make that work. All right. Let's move on to um, the, uh, was it discordant harmony in, I, I didn't type this, th- this one's name out in B sharp minor. Yeah. You know, it's it's good. It's just more, you know, more drama. It's more, to me, it's more of a vignette than anything else. It's not really a song, um, but you know, uh, it was funny. I laughed really hard. That's the first like real big laugh that I got. Was <laughs> the jam. Yeah, was uh, the jam. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh! Yeah, I uh, I, I tweeted out right after they they um they released that uh, the whole album, and I heard that song. I was like. JT turn successfully turns Stugatz into Roger Waters. That song should be straight off of the wall. Like this is the Dan Lebatard shows equivalent <laughs> of a song off of the wall. Um, yes. And uh, like, but, but it also fits the vocal style too, because Waters versus Gilmore, you know, uh, David Gilmore's got the polished, pretty voice and Roger Waters. He's got the more, you know, like it's, it's more of a, a messy oil painting type of voice. It works with the songs that he sings but it's not this pretty voice. And Stu's lack of polish yeah. is kind of like the show's equivalent to that. You're saying that he's the John Lennon and, and Dan's the Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. Got it. There we go. But you know, no, no. Um, but yeah, so that, but yeah, I, I can't listen to that without thinking of Pink Floyd's The Wall every time. And then that takes us in the back of my day. Go ahead. So as somebody who works with Greg Cody weekly, um, how... <laughs> How much has he been gloating about this song and this performance behind the scenes versus like when he's off? Less than you would think. Oh, interesting. Less than you would think. He's he's gloated about it more on the Levitard show than he has on our own, um, and oh, even behind the scenes. Um, 
but I just think they 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 picked the perfect song for Greg. Um, it's yeah, not just because, because the it's most memorable hit. Yeah, and, and not just because it's uh, old timey style. It's the it just it, it allows him to be full maximum ham, and that's what Greg loves is being a ham. Put the spotlight on him, that? let him do a little dance, but not let him have to have any personal contact. And uh, and that's with, Greg Cody. With with the exception of I eat butt all the time, my favorite Greg bumper. <laughs> would be like one B is the trailers for sale rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically JT took that and was like, I'm going to take King of the road and uh, I'm going to make that back in my day song into this back in my day song and uh, it worked. That's that's they properly utilized Greg, all of Greg's ness, Greg's Greg ness. Yeah. I really want and, Greg uh, to cover Santa baby now after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with a hard hard pass on that one. We, we don't need any more <laughs> versions of that. But uh, hard pass. Oh, um, all right. So let's go into. Um, I, shoot, I just Play realized. Up. I realized in my notes, I, I typed it before I knew all the songs, and I never updated the notes with all the song names. Um, but Juju's piece. Well, Juju's piece is great. I liked his monologue a lot. Um, I also like that you know keeping in the theme of they're trying to like play a lot like. Like in case you've listened this far and you don't or don't think that we're still self-aware that this is kind of a weird thing for us to do, let's have Tony talk about how weird and lame this is. And then <laughs> have Juju be like, nah, man, let me bring you back. Let me bring you back to life. And uh, it reminded me, you know, like in the, uh, in the Wayne's World sketches, back in the old Wayne's World sketches where they would have like that moment, those moments where they would have like the rock star cameo person like have like a weirdly like intelligent conversation about like world hunger or something <laughs> like a super poignant like political like point that's like supposed to be completely off. that's what this really reminded me of that's what really uh like getting juju to wax philosophically about the power of <laughs> musical <laughs> okay, when he said um, when he said my dog android andrew lloyd rubber i lost it loved it it was just he leaned right into that perfectly his voice is so unique like that's not production on his voice i mean like there's a little bit of reverb but like that's the way he really talks and and i remember meeting when i met him up for when i met up with him for lunch and like I was like, oh dang, he this is he talks exactly like well, I mean I knew I should have it didn't take that. I talked to him on the Play. phone. And uh and, and like, like I, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, it's just such a unique the just voice and accent and it, it, it fits him well. And that that's what will set him apart. That's what kind of sets him apart with his music is like nobody has that voice and that accent. And that's what allows him to bring something unique whenever he does any type of music. So all right, uh but that was a great lead in to the playoffs. All right, playoffs. I think we're alone now. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. You called that one before I did. It's time for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The feeling for this that I got, the the note that I put down was Brandon Flowers didn't start the fire. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. It it feels kind of like it's got a similar upbeat feel as we didn't start the fire, the verses to we didn't start the fire. Um, But uh, but his. delivery mike's delivery feels a lot like brandon flowers and so you know like kind of like mr Brightside. yeah 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 i can see that it's like arena rock it's like an arena rock tune kind of but like updated for the 2000s here the drive for it is so good like like 
and and the way he he talks about Brady splitting his lip and he's going to do it all again, like it's so catchy, so just such a good job at being catchy on that. And uh, Mike knocked it out of the park. You know, he he delivered that really well. You know, but but Mike knows how to deliver. He does. You know, and 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 so like and he poured it all into that. And so I'm I'm really really happy with uh, with how the playoffs went. Um, okay, goat. I can't figure out if this one's my favorite or not, but it's it's up there for sure. Um, really, this one in the playoffs stick in my head more than any of them. Um, and then L.A. L.A. would be the third one that sticks in my head the the most. Uh, the first weekend it was always nothing stops football, but then after after that it, it's been consistently uh, the playoffs, goat, and um, and L.A. Um, but yeah, it, now Chris talks about goat more than Greg talks about back in my day, but it's still not a ton, not as much as like you might, you might think. Okay. You know what the vibe of this one was? It was like uh, the Childish Gambino song. Yes. Red, Red Bone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, those was definitely the vibe that I got from that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a mix of Red Bone. Like and a- remember that Nelly song dilemma? Yeah. Even when I'm without you, oh, with Kelly Rowland, yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it kind of it made me feel like a little bit, a little bit of that as well, and I love it. I love it like that. That song, Dilemma, is such a like. I don't like that song, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> it's it will find yeah, its way yeah. in my head, you know, once a week, oddly enough, and it's almost been twenty years. Um, that song came out right around twenty years. I think ago. it has been. Yeah, I feel like it was two thousand one or two. It might be twenty one years. You're right. You're right. Um, so, um, you with that, yeah, I think that obviously when you're talking about Brady and the way that they talk about Brady, you had to go with like, you know, kind of like a sexier, you know, vibe and tone. So I think that that was appropriate. And by the way, I going just as a blanket statement to all of these songs, I feel like, um, and this probably speaks to, um, JT sensibilities, probably Mike's too. I mean, he knows the, he knows the people in the show better than anyone else, obviously, but I really feel like the genres and the, you know, just tonally the way that they picked these types of songs for each person singing and for the subject matter, I think was completely on point. Yeah. That they did a really good job matching those things. All those things being aligned. Uh, it was fantastic. It, it makes me, it makes me feel like JT would probably be really good at playing apples to apples. You know, you have to kind of know the judge yeah. to appeal to it. I bet he'd be great totally. at just by the way he, he picked everybody's songs for them to, for them to sing or the way to craft each of their songs. Um, and Chris did great with this. Uh, JT said that he actually barely had to do anything to Chris's voice at all. And you can hear it. And, and uh, I believe it. That's Greg Cody's kid, man. Greg Cody, Greg Cody births critters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why I didn't put Chris like as my, one of my top vocal surprises because I knew he could already kind of sing at least, but I was surprised that he did as well as he did, but it wasn't as much of a surprise. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And then Lewis, Lewis really did what well, he, he played the guitar solo and, uh, and I it reminded, did not know that. Yeah. 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 It's straight out of another brick in the wall. And I love it. I told him that I was like, there's a cup, there's one lick, there's like a boo doo dee doo. That's that. I mean, it's a minor pentatonic. So, you know, it's, 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 you're going to have, you know, everybody that plays in that scale is going to have shared notes, but like, it's totally got that feel of the solo of, um, of, of a David Gilmore style solo. That's what he tapped into. And I loved it. Um, and great guard play. I don't know why I typed that note, but why not? You know, but, (laughs) um, exactly. Uh, take me there. Okay. Um, 
So, okay, the first thing that I have written down is this song from 1989 by Donny Osmond. Because I'm... <laughs> Donny Osmond? It's called it's called Soldier of you Love. You and Soldier of and Love. It, Holy crap. <laughs> like a thief in the night who can't get enough. I am willing to fight because I'm a soldier of love. <laughs> it's the same key and everything. Like right when the right when the chorus hits, it's the same uh, it's the same chord, same key, and it's fine. Totally you need to recycle that because uh you know, no one knows that song. And uh <laughs> I, yeah, I have uh, I, I, I've, I have a lot of thoughts on this song. Of course, it was one of the the first two that were that were released, and um, the uh, it's got I, I like that he tapped into the Bo Diddley beat, the um, you know that from Who Do You Love and I Want Candy, um, you know, or that that you know they both those are two songs that use that beat. Um, somebody said it was uh, the Weird Al song um, uses the same type of beat. It's, it's so it's got you know anything that uses the Bo Diddley beat that dun 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 yeah, but it was not. It's not a, but it, but it wasn't a rocker, right? That's why this one feels like I was going to say my my main takeaway from this is this is the most mu- like uh, musical theater show tuny song in the whole show. Well, a- um, after a few listens, after the first week, I realized I was like, this is Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. You know what's funny? You know who wrote Soldier of Love and produced that Donny Osmond album? Don't Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel did that. Yeah. No. He, like, um, Total mind blow. Yeah, he helped him. He helped him do this his whole comeback. I did not like, know this. It's so random, yeah. Love Peter Gabriel. I had no idea that he did that though. Um, but yeah, so it and reminds me of Salisbury <laughs> Hill a lot, a whole lot. It's kind of got that, like especially the uh, the the layered music in the background really has that same you know feel as as Salisbury Hill. But it kind of also I can hear a little bit of nine to five in it in Jessica's delivery. Um, but when they hit that chorus. Like I, I, I gave it a nickname. I nicknamed the chorus "All the Colors Came Out" by Kate Fagan, sang by Jessica Smetana. Like it just like I don't have synesthesia. <laughs> I don't see color when I hear music like some people do. But that was close. It got me close. When I listen to ABBA, I hear color. I don't you know I can I like I like I said I don't see it. I don't physically see it, but like I can hear like this feels like a yellow and a blue and a red, and that's kind of what this drew out of me when they when they exploded into the chorus. And, uh, there's one song. There's one song in the world that I have synesthesia when I listen to it. Do you know what it is? What is it? Dan's favorite color. <laughs> all right. Billy did all the difficult work there. But then you know, the last thing about that song is you know the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. That is Stugatz. I um I thought it was. Chris wasn't sure. Um, but but Mike Mike confirmed it was Stugatz. Uh, but I that like, sounded like him. that will be just if I'm walking around the house, I'll end up walking to that beat a lot of times. It's just it's just it was it was the perfect addition to throw in the background there. Billy's uh, little um, bridge though, the anything you want. It's so calming. Chris has brought this up several times, but um, I love it. I was really impressed with Billy on that. Um, uh, tapping back into some of his delivery on Dan's favorite colors as well. Um, although that one might have been more Springfield's. Greenfield's favorite color. Um, all right, moving on to L.A. L.A. While while L.A. Is, L, like I said, this one is probably like the third most stuck in my head. It might be my favorite favorite though. I'm still not. Sh- okay. I'm still well, not sure. And I know why because it's it's uh, Summer of Love, the Beatles, you know, Flower Power, '60s rock. 
that's just what it is. Yeah, well, well, JT purposely used the opening bass line to Penny Lane as, you know, it is the note for note, and he threw in the piccolo trumpet. Um, when right. I heard that, I was like, JT, you are my brother. He threw in the piccolo. That, that is, he did, I've not talked to him, so I've never heard him say they did it on purpose, but he had to, he did it on purpose. And I love it. How about I'm that? so happy with it. Um, but yeah, it's a, you know, boo, do, do, doom, boo, do, doom, boom, 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 which is just the intro baseline to, to Penny Lane. But, you know, for the, for the verse, which, oh, which is also the baseline to Chick Magnet by MXPX. Almost, almost. That's more. It's almost, but yeah, you're right. Okay. Don't, um, don't, don't you dare. You just did the same. You, okay. You just did the, you just did vanilla ice thing. Okay. <laughs> the vanilla ice thing. Dun, 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 dun. No, no, man. There's goes ding, 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 and ours goes ding, 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 ding. It's not the same. It's not the. You literally sampled under pressure. It's the same song, asshole. Anyway, LA is also to me it's songs for Silverman era Ben folds. And I loved it. Like, like Mike's delivery on that feels very much like it was deliberately like, I want to put this in a Benfold style and uh, especially sentimental guys, the, the, the direct song that, that I would compare it to the most. But yeah, so LA, LA is really cool with that. I loved it. Um, the little interlude leading up to Ron McGill, that also reminded me of kind of like a flaming lips, you know, interlude, um, on Yoshimi, probably up from the Yoshimi album. Um, but then hold Ron on, McGill, hold on. Jen wants to talk, oh. and I'm just going to let her. Yeah, yeah, Jen, I come on in. I have no reason not to. Be sure to unmute yourself. Hi there. Hey. Hey. So I went to college in uh, Guilford County, and so we were right next door to Winston, where Ben Folds is notoriously yeah. from. Yes. And What school did you go to? Uh, Guilford College. Oh, you want to get, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I was okay. One, I one of those hippies. I played at somewhere else tavern like more times than anywhere else I've ever played in my life. Get so, out. Like, yeah, no. That's awesome. How about that. Um, but those of us of a certain age, like you can't hear LA and not think of Ben Folds. Yeah. And I don't know a lick about music. Nothing. But that struck me. Yeah. It was it was so and, and I loved it. I, I just it just it just made me feel at home. It was like it wrapped me up in a comforting blanket and and uh and and just said, hey, this is your musical home, and and it welcomed me. All right, that's enough mm-hmm. weird stuff for me. But All yeah, right, that's enough of that. That's enough oh, of that. And and you know, I don't know if I'm skipping the uh, around on the tracks here, but uh, Amin again, how he's uh, I am ridiculously f-ed up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I died. Jen, where are you from? Where, where are you from? North Carolina. Um, no, I grew up outside of Philly okay. and was into like the, oh, um, you've taught us before. Cause Andrew's mom grew up outside of Philly and ended yep, up settling yep. up in Guilford in, you know, uh, Guilford and Davidson area. Yeah. Yep. And then now I am in Colorado and would absolutely kill for them to come out here. Like we live 10 minutes from Red Rocks. It's on my commute every day. <laughs> the big game oh, at Red not, Rocks. You, I would you, fly out. Oh that. my God. Stu would float away. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's gorgeous out here. Go Quakers. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The fighting Quakers. (laughs) That's such, that's such an awesome. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
it's no weirder than a demon deacon. Like, That's what true. are we doing with that? That's, That's true. like Church of Satan stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, be careful, Andrew. I care about you. Wake Forest Twitter is going to come after you now. I'm telling you, man, there are no Wake alumnus. This is alumni. There are no wake alumni that think that that joke is funny. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I'll I'll hang up and listen. Oh, thanks, thanks for checking Jen. in, Jen. Appreciate You're it. Cool. All right, thanks, guys. Shall we go on to Ron McGill? How cool was that? that okay, was cool. so to me, the big game reprise. This is my favorite track on the record, and just because of everything sonically that's happening, this is one that is the most like. Listening, and I got to give a shout out to uh, obviously, <clears throat> to me the most professional talent on display uh, on this whole record is Chris Whittingham calling, <laughs> oh. calling sports, which is what he does for a living, right? Um, he just showed he could do anything. He could go and do Monday Night Football. He could, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and but well, and he chooses got, to hang out with such- us. <laughs> well, we I told this I I am not the only one who thinks this and I told him this in Austin when I talked to him uh that you know, we're just lucky to have him while he's here because that dude is a shooting star and uh he's going to go places you know, going to he's going to be like, you know, getting paid the big bucks to call Amazon football games or whatever. So, yeah, no, his 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 calls of like the the plays of his uh are so good, obviously. And of course, I love that they got that kind of uh, gravitas out of Ron McGill. Um, oh, it's just another one who would be great as I a voice he, actor on, on a cartoon somewhere. Like him and Amin. Like just natural, do you think, natural talent. <laughs> he's like, both of those guys, to be fair, are very much like real life cartoon characters. You know? Um, yeah. But Ron McGill, especially. You know? He's real life. They say real life Tarzan. And that he definitely is that. Um, but I wonder, do, do you think that he wrote that little uh, the thing that he said? Or do you, who do you think wrote that? I don't remember what I've heard Mike say about it. I think Ron well, probably, he heavy contributed at minimum, if not wrote the whole thing. Um, so we got Jeremy. Jeremy's coming in with a little something. What do you got, Jeremy? Hey, hey guys, how are you? Thanks hey, for doing Hello. this. So good. How you doing, man? Really, really good. So I, I don't want to come in here like at the very end where you're about to summarize everything, but <laughs> this, this song, so I was at work listening to this, all right? And I've, I've played music for a long time. Uh, I played in a touring band for 10 years, very unsuccessful. Hmm. Um, but I understand the idea of how much, like the, the overwhelming production of this thing resonated with me in a way that like i had no idea like when it, w- when the idea came out i, I knew it was going to be funny and i knew it would have a lot of show in jokes but i listened to it at work the first time through and the second time through when the reprise came on i had to go to the bathroom because i got like emotionally mm-hmm. i was like crying yeah like almost in tears and i i, I like it's almost kind of like uh I didn't think this thing would have the possibility <laughs> of like overwhelming you artistically. It has you know range. what I mean? Yeah. Like it just is so, so beyond. And like, no matter what kind of music you've ever made, like you listen to that last song and especially like, I think what you guys were saying earlier, where <clears throat> if you, you know, I, I, like I live in Spokane, Washington, like I don't hear a lot of Witty's broadcasts. I mean, obviously I heard him say penis, 
because that was all over the air. But, the penis heard around the world. Yeah, the penis heard around the world for sure. Um, but like, you know, I am from an area where Cooper Cup came from, mm-hmm. you know? So like hearing him, hearing him doing the broadcast of Cooper Cup playing that way was just kind of like, it literally was too much for my brain to handle. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think that's the, that's the really interesting oh. thing about this is that like, it took a couple of listens to actually just process like all the emotions that, that come from listening to it. Like just that, that just kind of blew me away. So I just wanted to get in there when you guys were talking about that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. That's great. For sure. no, thank you for sharing Thanks. that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for doing this. You got it. Dude. As I said, uh, this does not have to go to hell. <laughs> How about that? How yeah, about that? Totally. All <laughs> right, you guys think so. <laughs> you know, honestly, I just like, I'm not going to say, you know, first time, long time, because I'm not a long time. I found the podcast after I think it was your Helmageddon episode. Oh, and yes, just that. within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and just, and, but like, I've, I've listened, you produced the Greg Cody podcast and I, I know Andrew's worked is from the show. So like, it just was kind of one of those things. And I got to say, like, what can go to hell? I think it was Andrew that said this, but like, just in the context of everything, just coming out with the hard war, I, that, that, <laughs> that, that really got me. I tweeted at Yeti that that, that that pretty much, I was at work again with that one. I just pretty much lost it. So you guys got me with war, whatever the fuck that means. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really, really appreciate what you're doing here. This is great for people who obviously love the musical, but even just for people to hear, like, people who are musically inclined and have, you know, a past or a present in production work, just how much of that aspect is just marvel that might not be to the everyday person. So, yeah. Yeah. J- JT was totally showing his ass on this last song. Like I said, he, he said, he told Greg and Chris that he had like, it was around 200 tracks just for the reprise. And, yeah, um, it's, it's, and it's just that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate that I because I overdo everything too. Not as well as he does, but like I love overdoing stuff. And like, so I really, really appreciate that. It resonated <laughs> with me. Made me feel well, I, 1% less crazy. Yeah, totally. Well, and I played like in an electronic band. Like, you know, we had funk and all these other influences, but it was all done, you know, on like Acid Pro and some of the earlier stuff. Um, Hell yeah. And One like, yeah, good old Acid Pro. Um, but just the idea of like literally fighting with my bandmates over like 40 tracks. Right. Like, are you like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, you know, and like to even think about where JT's exhaustion must have been from that creative process. It's just, I mean, I mean, I want to choke somebody out. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> God. So, well, anyway. and there's, I appreciate you bringing that up and those elements to it because, yeah, it actually, you know, as funny as the, sh- you know, the show is and as like ridiculous and preposterous and uh, uh, ambitious as this project was, the fact that there's there's a lot of real emotion being shown and expressed and actual art on display, which I think is kind of emblematic of the show itself. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's, totally. It's it's pretty fantastic, and I and I and I will Yeti will tell you that I was pretty. I wasn't skeptical. I I can't say I was skeptical. I was worried. 
that it wasn't going to be very good. And that, that not that it, only because I didn't want, I love those guys and I, and, and, and Jess, and I don't want them to be everyone to poop all over them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But they totally exceeded all and every expectation I had. And, um, yeah, no, I think that uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, and I, I, for that reason. I don't mean to keep going on, but one last thing I'll say about that also is that, like, when when I was making music, you know, there was a point where, you know, three of the four members lived in different towns, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd get together and you'd have these weekends where you'd literally work on that nonstop. And one of the interesting things about that is that sometimes those were the best times because we were exhausted like and there's a creativity that comes out of like doing that kind of stuff nonstop. you know i don't suggest this for anybody who's trying to have great mental health but <laughs> but but i would say that like there have been moments where i look back on stuff that we've done and i've just been like you know what i remember that day and i don't remember that day because everybody was just trying to get everything done and there was like a weird artistic efficiency to it. Yeah. So I, I'd be interesting to know if JT ever felt that way, but I don't think so because it sounds like he's pretty used to churning this stuff out. So I don't well, know. What just... I'll tell you what he's not used to is doing a musical about football with a bunch of <laughs> Okay. And that's the other aspect of this that I wanted to get to is the fact that like he was putting a, a lot. I mean, how risky this was really artistically. I don't think it can be understated because. He put his kind. Of, he kind of put his like artistic credibility on the line. Totally, really. and you know, was like, "Hey, I don't. You know, a lot of people have never heard of me before, and I'm going to put the put this in front of everybody, and you know, hope for the best." And so, yeah, I mean, that taking the time constraints and everything else into consideration, uh, it cannot be uh, understated how incredibly ballsy this was for him yeah. to take on and for him to do and put a name on it. And I'm sure that that affected the creative process too. It had to have. Absolutely. Last question. Last thing I'll add, and then I'll let you guys get out of here. I feel like sure, we got more people. I'm just, I'm just, keep, I'm just keeping, keeping you guys on the line as long as possible. Um, we've got, we've got Jose and Keith. that want to jump in here too. Okay. So. Sorry guys. Go, go for it. Quick. You're good. Um, and I'll, I can go off the air for this, but does anybody know how the Mike Ryan JT thing happened? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'll hang. So, I'll hang up and listen. And right, thanks again. Good. And this isn't direct, thanks, like one hundred percent confirmed. But this is kind of what what Chris was telling me, because um, he said he said that uh, JT, you know, big fan of the show, has been for a long time, like a super fan of the show, and um, he just had you know actual music jobs that paid him, so he wouldn't do show songs like you know Andrew and me. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but um, but no. So he he had written into the show and let them know, hey, if there's ever anything you want to collaborate on, something along those lines, you know, hey, you know, think about me. I'm a big fan. Blah blah blah. So then, you know, that was a while ago. I don't. It, what I'm not sure about is if Mike knew if that had gotten around the mic or not. Um, uh, like immediately. Um, but as soon as the um the musical idea popped up in the chat. Um, like in the Slack, someone said, you know, what if we did a musical, blah, blah, blah. And the original idea was supposed to be a, only about the Super Bowl and it was supposed to be, be released the next day. Um, like Mike's original intent was to have some original songs produced, written and, and produced and everything within 24 hours of the Super Bowl, about the Super Bowl. And then they, of course, made it about the whole NFL season. But um, someone, I think it might have been Bemmel, the business manager. I, I think he, um, or this one of, the, one of the chiefs of Metal Arc, it might have been him. It was some someone you know, let Mike know, hey, by the way, you've got this idea now. 
we have a Grammy nominated producer who said, if we ever want to do anything, let's go. And Chris said, once Mike heard that, you know, just the, everything went on fire. Let's give this guy a call. Let's work with him. Let's see what we have to do to work with him. And so that's the gist of that. Jose. How you doing guys? Hey, it's the voice of well, free Arcadia. Jose. We only got, we only got a few minutes left, but I did. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you chimed in. So let, let, let's roll buddy. Good to hear your voice. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. You know how Hamilton came out with a remix record with all these famous artists doing remixes of the songs? <laughs> I'm just wondering, when are we going to get the Yeti Streeter collaboration remix of, of the big game? Call it the big shame. And I would also um, take my answer off air as to Andrew's review of South Carolina. I love you guys. You know I'm supportive of all you do, and I greatly appreciate you and everything that you guys work on. Thanks, guys. He said it, Andrew. He said the magic words. He said the magic word. It's time <laughs> for another round of Who Needs to Go to Hell? On Yes, Maybe No. South Carolina. Look, South Carolina. Dump. Sorry, I don't need to step all over that. That's Look, it. You go. South you go. Carolina. Go to hell. <laughs> this has been another round of Who Needs to Go to Hell? On Yes, Maybe No. And also Duke. Duke University. Take yourself and throw okay. yourselves away because you're oh, garbage. Let me tell you something. No, I got nothing. Actually, I do have something. The team that people actually know colloquially as Carolina is currently in the Final Four and is now the most Final Four appearances ever. Zagaki. And, and these other mother efforts put the word Carolina on the front of their jersey that go to South Carolina. You're not USC. You're not Carolina. You are nothing. You are a bunch of Gamecock a-holes. All right, moving on. <laughs> Congrats on being the Lesser Carolina. All right. Does anyone have any other thoughts or I think, input before we call it a pod? <laughs> I think that's that's probably about it. No, I am all in all really enjoy the big game. It's something I still I still listen to not every day, but I I listen to it every few days still. Um, I still like to pick things apart about it and, uh, mostly in preparation for this, but I just really appreciate and respect what they put into this to, to be able to give us something in this kind of turn time. And I respect even more. Mike said, people were asking him on the fan Levitard show when he was on there. Um, people asked him about what's next. And he was just like, I really respect this. Mike's like, I don't know, man, we might just want to break. We might, you know, like this might, this might be it. This might be the only time we ever do something like this. And just like, Cool. He doesn't feel this pressure to have to follow it up with anything of the same type. Like maybe we got this out of our system. Let's see what other big stretches we can do. And I think that's cool. If they do more music, awesome. If they don't and they come up with something even a bigger stretch for the show, that's cool too. That's what moving to metal art, you know, creating metal arc and doing what they're doing is, is was was all about. So really appreciate that. Andrew, final thoughts? Yeah, no, great. It was way better than I mean, way beyond my expectations that I had, which were uh, honestly pretty low. I did not understand why they were doing what they were doing. <laughs> um, but I really, really, really appreciate what they did and all the work that went into it. And the fact that it wasn't 
just uh, I don't think it's something that you're going to put on in 10 years and cringe super hard at. Um, Agreed. In terms of, Agreed. You know, I think it'll hold in, up. Yeah. Unlike my music from 2004 <clears throat> that you played at the top of the show. Dude, phase one is awesome. Yeah. My 17-year-old self thanks you. Now, uh, with that, thank you, everybody, for sticking around. All of you guys uh, have been here the whole time. And... Um, Good on you. We really appreciate you. Oh, Jen. Jen has a... Uh, yeah, let's let Jen in real quick. Real quick. Jen, what do you got? <laughs> Hi. Especially um, Yeti. Any word on there being some behind-the-scenes footage? Like, actual video is what I want to see of the making of. Uh, Chris hasn't said anything. Mike has some, right? Mike has some. He, I, I think World of Suey. Um. They might have some stuff there, or they might be putting it out later. I'm not sure. I know Mike shared some of Stugat's recording, the Jets, you know, um, and uh, and he shared some of that. But so I'm I'm sure he has plenty. He I think he said something on the Levitard show this week, like just it was in in a passing reference about you know, and I think he referenced checking out the world of Suey.com, uh, might be where it's at, especially if you signed up for the newsletter. But I I, I don't have any confirmed information on that just like little in inferences that i've drawn from listening to other things i i wonder if every song are they going to nominate every song for the best musical performance in suey yeah I don't, know if I don't know if they'll do individual songs or if they'll do just the the big game in general I'm not sure that's a good that's a good question um, that is another thing that i told mike ryan in austin when i met him it's like you know i guess you had to do an entire musical to uh take me out and that's fine <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, everybody, thank you for checking out this episode. As always, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at YesMaybeNoPod. You can find me on Twitter at YetiBlanc underscore. You can find me at AndrewStreeter underscore. Thanks again for coming out. And until next time, our Twitter space is the, the best. best. Yes, yes, maybe, maybe no. no. Our Twitter, our Twitter space, space is the, the best. best. Yes, maybe, no. I don't know, kind of. Yes, maybe, no. Subscribe, download, rate, review, or find podcasts are sold. Or, uh, download. Thanks, everyone. You're the greatest.